Welcome, everyone, to another week of Ramban Ala Parsha. Um, this week, you were supposed to read Parsha's Kitisa. We normally think of Kitisa as the Chet HaEgel, and obviously that's the center, the central point, and the central part of the Parsha. But space-wise, or psukim-wise, there's a number of psukim still devoted to the Mishkan, and the building of the Mishkan, and the story around the Mishkan. So I want to do two Rambans relating to the Mishkan, and then the central Ramban relating to Chet HaEgel, and the Ramban's insight, and I, I really think it's a brilliant insight, into the sin of the Chet HaEgel. We obviously, you know, it, it's one of those stories in the Torah where you're stuck in between, well, if you minimize the sin, so why was God so angry? You know, and if you if you maximize the sin, how could Bnei Yisrael, 40 days after having received the Torah at Har Sinai and received the the... the, the the Ten Commandments, how could they have created an Avodah Zarah? Okay, all that to come. Let's start at the beginning of the parsha. There's a long Ramban at the beginning of Kitisa, which is obviously, you know, the counting of Right? There's something scary about counting Bnei Yisrael. But if you do it through Machatzit HaShekel, then V'lo Yeboham Negev Pifkodotam. So this reminds the Ramban, it's a small point, but I think it's a significant point. How is it that David HaMelech was Nichshal in this Avera? If it's so clear that you're not allowed to count B'nai Israel directly, how could David HaMelech, who was Tzadik, you know, wasn't his, uh, his Yetzirah that got him to do it, how could he have done it? So the Ramban says, you know, not too long into this long Raman, he says, Since the Raman says, Pshat in the Pesach, it's hard to figure out. It's hard to figure out whether our Kodesh Baruch is telling us, never count B'nai Yisrael, or Moshe, this time, don't count B'nai Yisrael directly. So he says, since it's not clear, Ta'ad David umana'utam beloshkalim v'hayahanegef bahem. That's how the sin came about. It wasn't that David HaMelech disregarded a mitzvah HaTorah. God forbid. It's that David HaMelech didn't understand Pshat and the Pasuk. The Pasuk was telling us, V'lo negef Never ever count B'nai Israel directly. David HaMelech thought the Pasuk meant, no, it's a mitzvah l'shaita, it's a mitzvah for Moshe Rabbeinu not to count B'nai Israel directly right now. But at some later point in history, it would be fine if you counted B'nai Yisrael directly. Okay, that, that's, a, that's an insight into the Ramban. It's just interesting that sometimes the Ramban sees a Pasuk in the Torah and it, it bothers him that something in Nach is inconsistent. It bothers him that David Amela could have missed, messed up something so obvious. And so he points out that the Psukim at the beginning of this parsha are not so simple to understand. Okay, but there's something else going on here. And it's something that Rashi recognized first. And then the Ramban recognized, and they have completely different approaches to it. And that's the following. How many Jews left Mitzrayim? So the answer we know is it's a, it's a number in the Torah. It's a number more than once in the Torah. 603,550. Okay? So the Ramban is going to, Rashi is going to ask an interesting question. And here's the Ramban quoting Rashi. Rashi, 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 Right, the hint, Rashi's Pshat in the Pasuk is the, the Torah is commanding us three different Trumot. 
אחד תרומת האדנים שמנעם כשהתחילו בנדבת המשכן אחרי יום הכיפורים בשנה ראשונה. Right, the first one is תרומת האדנים, they had to give enough silver so that they could make the sockets into which they placed, they placed the wood um, panels of the Mishkan. Okay, that happened the day after Yom Kippur. Right, that's, that's the narrative according to all Rishonim. Because till they got finished with the Cheda Egel, nothing happened till after Yom Kippur. Everybody gave a Machzitz HaShekel and it added up to Ma'at HaKikar. Shenema v'chesep pekudei ha'ida Ma'at Kikar. Va'ashniya afi al-yidei minyan shemina'an mishu kam ha-mishkan. Hu minyan ha'amur b'cholesh ha-pekudim be'echad la'chodesh ha-sheni ba'ashana ha-sheinit. V'idnatnu kal'achad ma'achatzit ha-shekel liknot mehem karbonot zibor. Okay, so says the Ramban, there are basically two counts of B'nai Yisrael, and they happen at two different times. Says Rashi, V'im tomar, v'chi evshah shebishnehem hayu Yisrael shavin sheish meot elef, u'shloshet alafim v'chamesh meot v'chamishim. Could it really be that seven months go by and nobody is born and nobody dies? V'alo b'shtei shanim hayu. It was two different years. V'i evshah shelo hayu b'shat minyan harishon b'nei tsha esrei v'nasu b'nei esrim. Right? If you're only counting from 20 years and up, says the Ramad, there had to be many, many Jews who were 19 at the time of the first count. And in the seven months between the first count and the second count, and these dates are precise, because in Bamidbar, the Torah gives us the exact dates of the counts. How could no one have turned 20? Chuvala Davar. Rashi says, here's the answer. Eitzel Shnota Anashim. Says the Raman, no, no, it says Rashi, I'm sorry. It looks like two different years, but it's not. For birthdays, says Rashi, the year begins in Tishrei, and it ends the next Rosh Hashanah in Tishrei. So therefore, all of the people, nobody turned 20 between... Rosh Hashanah of this year and Rosh Hashanah of next year because it's all one year. It's like it's a fiscal year for birthdays and anybody born, every every single person for years turns the next year on Rosh Hashanah. Right? It's kind of not a lot of fun for, for birthdays because everybody has the same birthday then it's Rosh Hashanah. But for purposes of answering the question, it's a, it's a, it's a lovely answer, right? Everybody turned 20 on the same day. Nobody turned 20 in between the two dates. It's true. We count, B'nai Yisrael counts years from Nisan. So it would look like two different years. But for human birthdays, we count from Tishrei. Therefore, it turns out both counts of B'nai Yisrael happened the same year. The first count cap- happened the day after Yom Kippur, after God had forgiven us for the Chet HaEgel. That's when we started building the Mishkan. And the second count happened 
seven months later in ER. Call Elu Divrei Harav. Okay, that's Rashi. It's fascinating why the Ramban doesn't like this. Uh, we'll, we'll come to it in a second. Vani Teimos, says the Ramban, and I wonder, Ve'ech yitachen sh'yeh kahal gadol kamahu v'lo yamutu bo b'chatsi shana l'me'otu l'alafim. Forgetting birthdays, he says, how could it be that there are 600,000 males and nobody dies? Hundreds must have died. Thousands must have died. That's the way of the world. V'nei l'fi divrei harav amdu kishiva chadashim v'lo meitachad. Even if Rashi's right, that nobody had a birthday, nobody died in seven months? Could it really be that nobody died in seven months? Don't we have a story in the Torah of people who were Tamei Mace and they came to Moshe Rabbeinu and they said, let us bring Pesach Sheni because we can't bring Pesach Rishon because we're Tamei Mace. It's an interesting proof for the Ramban. But the Ramban says, you see people died in the Midbar. Now, it could be that Rashi really disagrees. It could be that Rashi thinks there was a miraculous, you know, the life in the Midbar was miraculous for Klal Yisrael, and nobody died. That would explain why Rashi tells us all the Madrashim there. Either it was a Mes Mitzvah, or it was the people who took care of, um, of Aaron's sons who were killed at Chanukah Samishkan, right? There's some specific story. Why does Rashi need to quote Madrashim there to tell us who died? Isn't it obvious? People die all the time. So it could be, I really believe that Farashi thinks, no, people didn't die. It was a miraculous time. And during this time, whoever left Mitzrayim was going to go to Eretz Yisrael. Okay, so the Ramban disagrees. And it wouldn't be for me to, to say who's right or wrong. Va'od Kasheli. But the Ramban's really bothered by this. Ki minyan shnota anashim Nobody counts birthdays from Tishrei. Raman is the big defender now of birthday parties. Raman says, it can't be that everybody celebrates their birthday on the same day. There was no period of time, says the Ramban, in which people celebrated all of their birthdays on Rosh Hashanah. Why? Birthdays work may eight late. They work full years. If you're born on the 17th of Adar, that's your birthday. What's the problem? When the Torah speaks about a person's age, it means full years from the date of his birth. That's how the Torah counts years. Says the Raman, I fundamentally disagree with Rashi that birthdays are counted with sort of one year for everybody. Anybody whose birthday is after Rosh Hashanah, you know, they become the next, they become a year older on Rosh Hashanah. Raman says it's wrong. Birthdays work me eight la eight. All ages in the Torah work me eight la eight. I think the Ramban is saying, I, we've never seen this before. We've never seen at any point in the history of the Jewish people that birthdays were other than the day on which you were born. And so the Ramban fundamentally disagrees with Rashi's pshat. Maybe, I think he would say, maybe nobody died, I don't know. But I know for a fact that people had to turn 20. 
So then how does it work? So Ramad suggests something different. He says, Aval yoter nachon shene'emar shekein ira ma'aseh shahayu Yisrael bishat minyan harishon tof reish gimel elef etof kuf nun umeitu mehem harbei bishiva chadashim kimin hag sheba'olam Right? As is the normal course of the world, says the Raman, people died in between the two counts. However, let's assume that 25,000 Jews died in those seven months. Says the Raman, but wouldn't it be amazing if 25,000 Jews also turned 20 during that period of time? And so it works perfectly. People die, and they're replaced by people who turned 20 that year. And those numbers happen to coincide. And they actually worked out perfectly. Okay, so says the Raman. But I don't think it's a problem at all. In the first count, the 603,350 Jews included Shevet Levi. There's no reason to exclude them from that first count. It's only the second time that they excluded Shevet Levi. Raman thinks the number of Shevet Levi and the number of people who turned 20 that year was around 20,000. Right? It's proof. Originally, Levi was counted. Now they're excluded. Now Shevet Levi is being chosen as the special tribe of, of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so therefore they're being excluded from the count. So the Raman gives two possible answers, both of which are very, very plausible and, and very, very compelling. The first is that people died, it's true. But by chance, the number of people who turned 20 and entered the count equaled exactly the number of people who died. And so the numbers happened to work out exactly. The second shot seems to be slightly more miraculous. He's agreeing with Rashi. Let's say nobody died. Nobody, okay, HaKadosh Baruch Hu made a miracle. Nobody died in those seven months. However, Shevet Levi that were separated from all of Klal Yisrael, that only happened later. So in the first count, the 20,000 give or take of Shevet Levi, they were included. In the second count, the 20,000 of Shevet Levi were excluded. However, the number of people who turned 20 happened to equal exactly the number of people who were in Shevet Levi and who had been excluded from the count. So in either way, right, the Ramban disagrees with Rashi about how the numbers equal out. Rashi thinks it's a result of nobody dying and the numbers staying exactly the same. The Ramban saying he doesn't see how that could be. Didn't people turn 20? Rashi says, no, they didn't turn 20 because it was all within the same year. The Ramban thinks that's crazy. Everybody knows that a birthday is a birthday. And you don't turn a new age on Rosh Hashanah. You turn a new age on the day that you were born. However, one of two possibilities. 
either the number of people who died equaled the number of people who turned 20 during the course of the year, or Shevet Levi was excluded from the second count, not from the first count, nobody died, and the number of people who turned 20 equaled exactly the number the members of Shevet Levi. Okay, in there is also this idea of, you know, who the people who died, who the the, the Tmei Mace in the Midbar, is that a proof that people died regularly or not? For Rashi, it's not. It was a unique situation. For the Ramban, it is. Okay. We're only going to have time for one more Ramban. So let's go to Chet HaEgel. And Chet HaEgel obviously is, you know, it's, it's as bad as it could be. It's as bad as it could be because, one, it looks like Kalei Yisrael worshipped Avodah Zarah, but it's much worse than that because they worshipped Avodah Zarah at the foot of Har Sinai 40 days after HaKadosh Baruch Hu appeared to them in the greatest Gilu Shechina in the history of the world. And it's hard for us. It's, it's really hard for us, and we'll see, it's hard for the Ramban to accept the fact that Kalei Yisrael were, were able or willing to worship Avodah Zarah so soon after Matan Torah. And so the Ramban has a different understanding. And he thinks that, you know, our reading of the Psukim is, is too shallow. And it's not really what it says. So it's, it's Perak Lamed Bet. And in Perak Lamed Bet, the Torah tells us as follows. Mm-hmm. The people saw that Moshe was delayed in coming down from the mountain, they gathered on Aharon, and the Raman's going to be medayik in those words. It says, So first he quotes Rashi, They desired many, many gods. We don't know what happened to Moshe Rabbeinu. We don't know where to go. Right? Now we need all kinds of, or, or any kind of God to tell us where to go. Says the Raman, he doesn't reject it, but he says Rashi's not being precise. See, but this pasuk is the key to understanding what exactly happened with respect to the Egel and what was the intent, intent of the people who pushed for an Egel. Ki biyadua. He says, first of all, let's be fair to Klai Yisrael. It's inconceivable that they confused Moshe Rabbeinu for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It, it just can't be. They knew who Moshe was, and they knew who God was. They met him at Har Sinai. They were all Nevi'im. Right? The Ramban's understanding of Harsinai was that the event itself was much more important than the substance. It wasn't that they got Aseris Hadibros. It's that they met HaKadosh Baruch Hu. They were prophets. Nobody thought Moshe was God. Nobody thought Moshe was God. 
why in the world would any rational people say, okay, Moshe's missing. Let's make a new God. They knew who God was. And it wasn't Moshe. Va'od, second point. Ki b'feirush amru elokim ashe yelchu lefanenu. Lo sheyihiyu notnim lahem chayim ba'olam hazeh o ba'olam haba. Says the Raman, when they say Elohim, they don't mean a God. Because they're not trying to, they're not making a God who's going to bring them to Olam Haba, who's going to give them eternal life, who's going to reward them. They wanted somebody else instead of Moshe. So the first thing is Ramban is reducing the sin to replacing Moshe Rabbeinu. Right? It's almost like Bnei Yisrael at Ar Sinai. Okay, where are we going to travel now? I don't know. Who tells us where to travel? Moshe Rabbeinu. We need, it's like Moshe Rabbeinu, where Lahavdil, you know, ways. We need some app that's going to tell us where to go. We're not trying to replace God. It's not Avodah Zarah, but we need somebody to tell us where to travel. Amru Moshe Shahorelanu Haderach Mimitzrayim Vadheina Shahuhamasaim Al Piyashem Biyad Moshe Hine Avadmimenu. Right? There's no one to tell us where to travel. Naaselanu Moshe Acher. Let's make a new Moshe Rabbeinu who's going to tell us where to travel. Do we go right or left? Which way is it to get to Eretz Yisrael? Ramad's not saying it's not a sin, but he's reducing it significantly from the sin that we think it is. He thinks it's not a Vodah Right. We're replacing Moshe Rabbeinu, whose greatness was, he tells us where to go. We'll need another man of God. He says, you can see this also from when Aaron answers Moshe. And these are really difficult psukim. Right? Aaron says to Moshe, What terrible sin did the people do to you that you brought this terrible crime upon them. And so I told them who has gold, and they gave it to me, and I threw it into the fire. On the one hand, Aaron is answering Moshe saying, don't get angry at me. Please don't get angry at me. It's not my fault. But he's describing a terrible sin. They came to me, they said, let's replace Moshe. And I said, I'll do it. If they were asking Aaron for Avodah Zarah, and Aaron made an Egel, made Avodah Zarah with his own hands, isn't that the worst sin ever? Says the Ramah, that's not what happened. What could be a worse sin than making Avodah Zarah? They weren't looking for a God. They knew who God was. And they accepted God's reign over them, and they worshipped God. All they were looking, all they were looking for was to replace Moshe Rabbeinu with the new Moshe, with a new app, with the new ways. 
That's what Aaron was saying to Moshe. It wasn't Avodah Zarah. It was just a way to keep them happy. No one knew what happened to you. Are you going to come back or not? So they need to know where to go. And if you come back, says Aaron to Moshe, okay, they'll leave the they'll leave the Egel and they'll follow you. And the Ramban says, and this is significant. And that's exactly what happened. The second Moshe Rabbeinu comes to the Machane. Miyad hinichu ata egel uboatubo shihinichu lo lisarfo. Immediately the people abandoned the egel. They allowed Moshe to burn it. Uzarot afral pneamayim and to spread its ashes over the water. Veloha yamayim cholek alav klal. Nobody fought with Moshe. Because it wasn't a real avodazara. It was simply a means to get to the next place. Kain tiresh aloho chicham velo amailo ham klum. He didn't yell to people for avodazara. They, they were embarrassed. They ran away. There was no war in the sense that people didn't object to what Moshe was doing. They recognized immediately. If they had the Egel as a god, they wouldn't just let Moshe come in and destroy their new god. Right? Would anybody allow that to happen? If we invested in something, even just an object, as our god, we would defend the god. So says the Ramban, it was all a big misunderstanding. It's a sin. And we'll still have to figure out why it's such a big sin. And it is a big sin. But the Ramban says, it's not what we're afraid of. It's not God forbid that HaKadosh Baruch Hu at Har Sinai, you know, B'nai Yisrael at Har Sinai, rejected God and chose, you know, a golden calf and said, oh, this is the God that took you out of Egypt. It doesn't make any sense. It can't make any sense. I think the Ramban has too much of a love and too much of a respect for Klal Yisrael to, to entertain that as a possibility. He, really, he doesn't see it at all. So what did happen? So I think underneath the Ramban's language is a bigger point. And it has to do with the Ramban's view of the order of the Parshios. Remember, the Ramban thinks that Yesh Torah, and that God gave Moshe the mitzvah of the Mishkan before the Chet HaEgel. So why would he have, why would he have done that? So I'll, I'll try to explain it to you in, in my own words. I think this is Peshat on the Ramban. It's just sort of below the surface here and in a number of other Rambans. The Ramban would say as follows. When we were at Har Sinai and we literally heard, we saw God's voice and we heard God's thunder and lightning, things that normally don't happen, we had an encounter with the divine and it created within us a Yetzahara for some tangible representation of God. I really think so. The way I imagine it, and I'm sorry if I say it in a silly way, but you know, I've never used cocaine in my life. I'm not bragging. I never have. Okay. But I think if I did, 
when I get up in the morning, I don't have to overcome a desire for the drug. I don't know what it tastes like. I never had it. Right? I, don't, I don't fight it. But if you're at Harsinai, it, the, the encounter with God created within us a need and a desire for more. Something that the truth is you and I don't realize in our own lives. If we saw somebody worshiping a tree, we wouldn't be offended as much as we'd think it's just silly. Everybody knows there's no, God doesn't have a, a gufay, no gufay, no dimyon, right? These things don't exist with respect to God. We should know that. But for the Dor HaMidbar, they did exist. They encountered it. They had cocaine. And they had to fight it going forward. When they woke up in the morning, they wanted to physically experience God in a way that you and I never desired. And Akash Bahu knew that, and he saw that coming. And he created the Mishkan to try to serve as a place, again, for the Rambana, where you go and you feel God's presence. And the Mishkan was going to be some kind of prophylactic in advance of this need, right? There's a downside to every upside. Experiencing God, one-on-one, one-on-600,000, experiencing God, feeling God's presence, creates within us a desire to feel that again. That desire was going to be fulfilled by the Mishkan, but it happened too quickly. Even before we could we could feel that desire, B'nai Israel miscounted the days that Moshe would be gone and created the Egel, right? But the Egel was never supposed to take the place of God. The Egel was supposed to be some kind of tangible, physical entity that I could feel close to in place of the God that I had actually met, in place of the God that I had actually seen, in place of God's voice, whose voice I had actually heard at Har Sinai. Right? It's hard for us to imagine how compelling such a desire is because we've never had it before. You know, the thing that we most desire in the world is the encounter with the, with the infinite God. But it would create within us a risk. It would create within us the risk of Avodazara because we would want it again. It's hard to have the greatest thing ever in the world happen to you once and not desire it again. We all say we just want to meet God once, we just want to see a miracle once, and we'll know there's a God and we'll never ask again. But it's not true. We would want it again and again. And we have to create a world, says the Rahman, in which we have to live with less. So the first idea was the Mishkan. And that didn't work well enough because B'nai Israel couldn't wait. But I think essentially that's what the Rahman is saying. He's saying, on the, on the daf, he's saying that they weren't trying to replace God. It wasn't Avodazar to begin with. They were just trying to replace Moshe because, they, they frankly, they needed to know where to travel. But I think beneath that, is this idea that the encounter with God was made more more necessary by Maimad Harsinai. And Maimad Harsinai, you know, we, we, we saw God, we felt God, and we wanted to see and feel God again. And that might be Pshat also. Okay, Yashkoch to everybody. We only did two Ramans this week, but they were both good. And I'll see you all next week. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom.